The PGMOL have explained why Newcastle United's goal was allowed to stand against Arsenal, why it wasn't a foul on Gabriel, and they allowed us finally to hear the audio um, and the decision-making process. We're going to talk about when Martin Odegaard is expected to return to fitness. We're going to talk Douglas Luiz, Ruben Neves. We're going to take your questions and we're going to ask the question, was Fabio Vieira being punished by being included in an EFL trophy squad yesterday? We'll get into all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. And we have got plenty to sink our teeth into this morning. We're going to talk the PGMOL. We're going to discuss the VAR audio for the Newcastle United goal, the controversial Newcastle United goal that was allowed to stand. Uh, We're going to talk about the bit that they seem to have forgotten. Uh, We're also going to talk about the show in general and how it is just a PR piece. Um, And uh, Michael Owen reacting to some criticism of the programme on social media. We'll get into that. We're also going to chat about Martin Odegaard. We've got an indication of when he's expected to return to action for the Arsenal. Uh, Fabio Vieira and, of course, uh, Reese Nelson were involved in Arsenal's EFL Trophy defeat last night. In the case of Fabio Vieira, was it punishment having seen red at the weekend in the game against Burnley. We're also going to touch on Douglas Luiz, Ruben Neves, and we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat. Um, Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. A big welcome to everybody who is with us already. Uh, Slightly earlier time of the live stream today, which I know can throw people off at times, so I do apologise for that. But I do need to sometimes work it around uh, other bits and pieces that are going on. Um, Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the channel. There's a big reminder on the screen now, so you can't forget if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, Leave a like on the video as well. That really, really does help. Get involved in the chat, get involved in the comments. And if you're listening on audio, well, then please do leave us a review too as that really, really does help. I kind of feel like I need to take a deep breath before we uh, dive into this one. Um, The PGMOL, finally, however many weeks later, what, two weeks later, have finally put out the audio um, of the decision-making process that in the end allowed Anthony Gordon's goal to stand against Arsenal up at St. James's Park. Now, most people, the majority of people, the same people, have agreed that that was clearly a foul on Gabriel and could not for the life of them figure out why that goal was allowed to stand. Mikel Arteta came out angrily post-match. He had a bit of an outburst. I think he was justified in feeling hard done by on that day. And clearly, when you look at what then followed the Arsenal statement um, and all the rest of it, Mikel Arteta has had issue with the PGMOL. Arsenal as a football club have taken issue with a number of decisions made by the PGMOL in recent months, going all the way back to last season, and felt that this was the time to really make a song and dance about it. Now, people criticised Mikel for that. People said that it was calculated, that it was designed to apply pressure on the officials uh, moving forward, that it was something that he had premeditated from the minute, essentially, that he realised that there was controversial circumstances around that goal and he's been called a baby and all the rest of it. Yet in the aftermath of that, we've heard um, Eric Ten Hag complain about referees. We've heard um, Jurgen Klopp complain 
about the room in which a press conference took place. You know, there's been so many examples of other managers coming out and saying things that normally um, or, or, or normal people would be critical of. But instead, we've decided that we're going to pick on Mikel Arteta and everybody should poke fun at the Arsenal boss. Why? Because Arsenal have a massive global and engaged fan base and you can drive lots and lots of clicks if you just slag them off a little bit. And, you know, I've been really, really angry, really angry over the past two weeks with not just the VAR decision, but also the fallout from Mikel Arteta's outburst. I think managers have done it throughout the history of the game, come out and been critical of stuff. I find it frustrating that some managers are seemingly allowed to get away with it. Others aren't. I find it frustrating that if you do it in a certain tone, you know, you're the villain. But if you say exactly the same things in a slightly different way, um, with a, a slightly different tone, then actually it's acceptable and it's respectful. Ultimately, the content of what you're saying is still the same. We found uh, people who have called Mikel Arteta a hypocrite because supposedly he didn't leap to Liverpool's defence after that shocking decision at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And we've shown you um, a transcript from a press conference in between the event and the press conference that people are picking on in which he clearly made and passed comment on it. So we've disproved that. We've also proven uh, that Ange Postacoglu has in his time, yep, it's true, had a go at referees and been critical of refereeing decisions. So this whole thing has got me riled up. And I, I went into TalkSport yesterday and I, I sat down with some of the guys before we went on air. And a couple of them said to me, man, I, I've never seen you so angry, so animated on social media about anything. And I, it's because I genuinely believe that the PGMOL are slowly but surely murdering the Premier League. They are killing the best league in the world. They are um, bringing it into question and into disrepute, if you like, every single week that passes with bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And all I keep getting back is, well, they're trying to be transparent by releasing the VAR audio. That's the, that's the idea of this show that Howard Webb does. It's not a piece of propaganda. It's a piece of communication. The problem is if you communicate without actually really saying much and without taking accountability for your mistakes and errors, then really is that effective communication and is it even worthwhile? And I would argue it's probably not at this stage. Let's focus on uh, the game then at Newcastle, which of course um, had a number of controversies within it. Um, the first thing was the the two sendings off, supposedly. Um you know, the, the two supposed send-ins off. So Kai Havertz, PGMOL, yesterday said that he should have been sent off. We spoke to Keith Hackett on last week's debrief, which you can find on the channel and on the podcast feed. It was a great listen uh, with the former head of the PGMOL. And he said that, of course, Kai Havertz should have been sent off. So I accept that. He explained the reasons why to me, the kind of explanation that we never get from the PGMOL and we didn't get from the PGMOL at, at the time. PGMOL have also... Um, confirmed that Bruno Gimaraes should have been sent off, but that didn't happen either. And then we move on to the goal. And this for me is just a farce. It's four or so minutes of audio in which we hear the process by which they've come to the decision that the goal should be allowed to stand. They haven't looked at the evidence that they have and decided actually this goal's fine. What they've said is there is no conclusive evidence to prove that the goal shouldn't stand. 
So essentially what you are doing is you are going by what you don't have over what you do have. And the evidence that we do have is that, in my opinion, there's a clear foul on Gabriel. Plus, it seems that they've forgotten the offside law because once the goalkeeper is out of his goal and ahead of the play, that all changes as well. And the lousy explanation we got for that was that they couldn't pinpoint the whereabouts of the ball with the camera angles that they had. You've got multiple camera angles. You've got timers on the videos. Why don't you pause it, freeze frame it, and match up the time with another camera that you have so that then you can work out where the ball was at that period of time. It isn't rocket science. And people keep moaning, oh, you know, it's all taking too long and all the rest of it. Um, but the truth is that I would rather it took longer if it means that we get to the correct decision. But then we come on to the box office bit, the, the, the main event of this whole entire nonsense of an explanation and list of excuses made by the PGMOL. And this was the bit that really got me. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same. I'm sure a lot of people will disagree. I've seen some Arsenal fans online over the past 12, 18 hours saying, oh, it's okay now. I accept it. I understand. Nobody is going to convince me. Nobody's going to tell me that that is not a foul on Gabriel. We talk about clear and obvious all the time. That is a clear and obvious foul on Gabriel. And this is the bit that really got me. For those of you watching, I'll explain it. Don't worry. Uh, for those of you listening, this was the line that came out of the VAR himself. I don't see a specific foul on Gabriel. I see two hands on his back, but I don't see anything of a push that warrants him flying forward like that. Now, let's break that down, OK? I don't see a foul on Gabriel. Look at that still image on the screen. Joe Linton is off the ground. Gabriel has both his feet planted on the ground. And the minute he realises that David Raya has flapped at the cross and isn't going to be able to clear it in the way he'd hoped, Gabriel then needs to try and get off the ground and deal with this situation. However, he can't get off the ground. Why can't he get off the ground? Because he's got a big man like Joe Linton resting both arms on the back of his neck slash back and using Gabriel as a prop, as a climbing frame to get himself up into the air first. And in doing so, he pins Gabriel down. There is no way in the world that this is not a foul. I've heard some nonsense excuses. I've heard the PGMOL essentially telling us that they couldn't work out if there was enough force to force Gabriel to go over and all the rest of it. Why would a big old lump like Gabriel forfeit the opportunity to clear a ball? He's not one that's afraid of that type of thing. He's a very, very brave centre-half. Why would he forfeit that opportunity to clear it and take the risk of trying to earn a foul that you know is something that you might not get, particularly with the standard of officiating in this division nowadays. Why would he do that? The answer is he wouldn't. The answer is that he's been clearly impeded there by Joe Linton. And the explanation as to why that is not deemed as a foul, in my opinion, from the PGMOL is pathetic. That line, I don't see a specific foul on Gabriel. Okay, cool. So we're allowed to use other people as props to prop ourselves up into the air. We're allowed to pin defenders down with not just one arm, but two arms on them and um, 
And we're allowed to hang in the air as a consequence and as a result of that. He also handles the ball, which again, the PGMOL danced around and pretend wasn't a thing. There is also an argument that the ball might be out of play. Again, I accept that on that one, you know, the evidence is inconclusive, but everything else is clear. And then we talk about the offside thing. And as I say, they talk about where the ball is and the fact that they can't see it. It is an absolute shambles and an absolute nonsense. And I cannot understand for the life of me why there are people out there accepting this explanation and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, we understand now. It's gone and we can't dwell on it for too long. And I I, I said and I maintained all along that once I got the VAR um, explanation, audio, which they've had two weeks to come up with an explanation, by the way. So I'm always wary of that. You know, why not? If you want to be really transparent, which is what they keep telling us, why don't you play it live? Why don't you play it live? The reason you don't play it live is because you don't want to open yourselves up to more scrutiny. But hold on. You can't have transparency without scrutiny. That's not how this works. And this is why I'm becoming increasingly frustrated with the PGMO. We saw a shocking decision on that same program, um, you know, uh, that Wolves were on the receiving end of, where Huang kicks nothing, essentially, and the referee points to the spot. And the VAR somehow looks at that and goes, yep, good decision. Good process, lads. Look, the truth is, they're not up to standard, okay? I understand they've got a difficult job and I understand some of the decisions are subjective. But some of them are clear and obvious and some of them have got to the point where they're so bad that I just have no faith in the standard of officiating anymore. If you're a coach, you know, you you work hard all week and you go out on the pitch and you know that the game might not be decided by your players or even the opposition's players. It might be, and there's a good chance nowadays, given the volume of errors and the volume of, of controversies, that the game is going to be decided by a bad or questionable VAR call. That's where we're at. That's where we're at nowadays. And it's not good. It's not good at all. Michael Owen took issue with some of the criticism that him and Howard Webb were getting online. People question whether Michael Owen did a good enough job of challenging Howard Webb on some of the things he said. We all know that this is a scripted piece of PR by the PGMOL. And I'm not Michael Owen's biggest fan. I don't think that, you know, he should be the one fronting this show. I think somebody that is naturally a little bit more, I don't want to use the term abrasive, but a little bit sharper and somebody who, you know, would be a little bit more challenging should probably be the face of this show along with Howard Webb in order to give us that level of debate that satisfies the supporters, that leaves us coming away from watching the program feeling like, yep, you know what, I might not agree with it, but he's been pushed in terms of his view, in terms of his opinion, in terms of his justification. So even if I disagree, I've got enough substance to the conversation to just kind of accept it and move on. Michael Owen doesn't do that. And as I say, a lot of that's not down to him. A lot of that's down to the the format of the program, the fact that it's scripted in the way that it's scripted. And he's just doing a job, right? But if you know that and you're happy to take the pay for it, knowing that you're not really challenging and you're not really pushing the boundaries, as you probably should, then you have to accept that online you are going to face criticism. Simple as that. Simple as that. So to respond to it the way that Michael Owen did last night, um, I thought was a little bit over the top. And I'll just I'll see if I can bring up the tweet that he put out because I thought it was a little bit unnecessary, I think. And I, I don't know for sure, but I think he was referring 
um, to uh, to the Daily Mail, who put out a piece in which they highlighted some of the comments, the negative comments that Michael Owen received. He said, you're just scumbags, always have been. Trawl through a load of messages until you find a couple of negative ones and then create an article. Most people thought the show was insightful and educational, which is our aim. Hands up in the chat if you thought it was insightful and educational, because I didn't. I didn't think it was insightful and I didn't think it was educational. I thought it was neither of those two things. I thought it was infuriating and overly scripted. That's what my takeaway was from that program. Now, I know that you can't do this program every day. I know that you can't do it, you know, all the time you open up a can of worms. But I don't feel like decisions that level of of controversial should be sat on by the PGMOL for two weeks, allowing all this kind of um, criticism and arguing and and fighting and, and questioning of the PGMOL standards. And at some points, their integrity, I don't think you should allow all of that to fester for a, a two-week period before you put this stuff out. I think this stuff needs to come out quicker. And the fact that it doesn't come out quicker makes me wonder why that is. You know, you look at the Liverpool one, they were under massive pressure. They had to on the Tuesday, didn't they? Put it out. It should have been out on the Monday, realistically, if I'm being overly picky. But there's a big difference between the Tuesday after a Sunday game and the Tuesday after a game that took place two Saturdays ago. Do you see what I mean? I want to take some of your comments and thoughts on this as well. We've got a couple of other bits and pieces to discuss on the programme, which we will do. Um, but please do, if you haven't done so already, leave us a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking you. We're going to take a very, very short pause and then we're going to continue. We're going to talk Odegaard, Vieira, Nelson, Douglas Luiz, Ruben Neves, and we're going to take some of your comments from the live chat box. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Uh, let me take some of your comments then uh, from the live chat. A big hello to Owen, who joins us. He says, uh, Michael Owen is like the chick from Fifty Shades. Yes, master. <laughs> uh, Izualo says, uh, good morning, good podcast. Thank you so much. Junior says smash that like button. Uh, Mafia Boss says it's propaganda from the PGMOL to justify the decision. Decision, I beg your pardon. Um, what else have we got in the chat box? Big hello to Wandering Minstrel. Big hello to Nav. I will answer your question, Nav, uh, in a little bit. I just want to get through the, the football stuff uh, first. Um, Stilton Avenger says they said it was inconclusive, but that just shows a lack of knowledge on how players use their bodies. Completely agree with you, mate. I think you're spot on there. Um, Hacker says the PGMOL, I think, uh, sorry, the PGMOL think that the drama makes a better product. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. And maybe for the neutrals, maybe those that are watching the Premier League with no interest in any particular club who are doing it. Um, through a, a different lens, who don't really care for the results, do enjoy the drama. But you're going against the very soul of this game, which is the supporters of the clubs that are involved in the Premier League. You know, a neutral isn't going to spend a load of money to go and watch their team, with all due respect. The neutral is probably going to sit at home and watch it on the television. A neutral is probably going to catch a game when they can, but probably isn't going to pay a TV subscription to follow a club 
every single week and be as intertwined in the Premier League world as somebody who does have that vested interest. So maybe that is what they think. And maybe some people will see it like that. But to me, it's it's wild. It's wild. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Prince of Somalia says, Harry, I feel like I'm going crazy. I can clearly see two hands on Gabriel's back and a clear push. And people are saying it's not there. I feel like people are seeing a different image to me. The best one I heard yesterday, um, the best text I got about this whole thing was Gabriel's clearly dived because before he hits the ground, he has landed back on his feet and then thrown himself. What a load of old tosh. Absolute nonsense. Um, what else have we got? Damilare says, considering how much was spent on VAR, it's disappointing to, the, to see these consistent errors. It exposes the failures of officiating instead of helping them. Um, and uh, Owen also says the fact that the head of VAR forgot the offside rule tells you all you need to know about that standard. Can you imagine the nonsense we don't get to hear? Exactly. And that's my problem with you playing the we're going to be really transparent card, but then refusing to play the VAR either live or immediately after a game. Look, if you don't want to play it live, I get that. You know, I get that. The people in the stadium wouldn't really benefit from that, would they? The TV audience probably would. But maybe we put something in place where within an hour of the full-time whistle, when there's a decision like that, it is then released for clarity so that these debates don't spill over onto the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, and continue to rage on, which brings, you know, more anger around these situations. And that ultimately leads to officials being mistreated right down at grassroots level. So, yeah. Okay, um, that's enough on the VAR thing. Um, It's it, it something that's been frustrating me for a long, long time. And I'm not going to talk about these Newcastle decisions again um, going forward until maybe I have to. But yeah, anyway, for now, let's just park that. It's not good um, for my health uh, to keep getting angry and frustrated uh, by this stuff. Um, let's just take one or two more comments. Uh, Spornik says, at this point, I'm really worried about the integrity of the sport. Personally, I'm getting increasingly frustrated and dejected um, by the game. I, I feel exactly the same, mate. I feel exactly the same. Uh, there's another call for live uh, footage. Um, Mike Jones says, uh, need live VAR footage with audio, just like the Rugby World Cup. Harry in the chat says it works in rugby. So it works a lot better in rugby. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I did speak to uh, Alfie Reynolds yesterday, who is Talk Sports rugby correspondent. He's brilliant at what he does. He's got a great YouTube channel as well. If you're into rugby, check it out. Just search Alfie Reynolds. But he did say that rugby is starting to run into some of the problems that we're having now in football, whereby subjective calls um, are becoming a little bit more difficult to kind of reach a conclusion on. What I would say, though, is that in rugby, because the standard of officiating over the years has been so much better, there is that respect for officials. There is that credit in the bank that they have. And as a result of that, because people know that 99% of the time they do a wonderful job, there is that empathy towards them if something is really tight and there is that respect towards them which means that they don't get lambasted and blasted for a week afterwards even if someone thinks a decision was possibly wrong and and that's where we are we've got to a point where refereeing has been so bad for so long that nobody respects them nobody really cares about what they have to say nobody wants to hear 
what they believe to be propaganda on the PGMOL's part. And that's the reality that we're in right now, I think, um, in this uh, in this situation. Anyway, uh, another short pause. Then we're going to talk Odegaard, Vieira, Nelson, Douglas, Luiz, and Ruben Neves before we go. Some good news to put a positive spin on things. Martin Odegaard is expected to return after the international break. We talked yesterday about the reason behind his absence, and that was due to a concussion uh, that he suffered from a ball smashing him right in the face in training. Uh, it is now understood that Martin Odegaard, who hasn't travelled on international duty with Norway, will return to the side when we get back to Premier League action, when we take on Brentford. Fingers crossed, because I think... We could do with him, couldn't we? Um, in other news, Fabio Vieira and Reese Nelson both started in Arsenal's 5-2 EFL trophy defeat uh, at Reading. Now, I was talking about this the day or the day after I covered um, the Arsenal under-21s game against Manchester City. It was a thrilling match. Really, really enjoyed uh, being a part of Arsenal's coverage on that. And one of the things I said was that I couldn't understand or, or, or figure out why we don't see more of that. You know, we always talk about needing to keep fringe players fit and sharp and ready to go whenever uh, they're called upon. And and one of the things I said was back in the day when I was growing up, I remember lots of first team players when they were coming back to fitness, when they were without a game that week, would drop into the under 21s or the reserves as it was in those days and play um, to make sure that they stay sharp, stay fit. But not only that, the young players that are regularly involved with the under-21s could learn so much, couldn't they, from having those, um, you know, first-team professionals in and among them. It was something that I was quite pleased to see when the lineup was announced for the EFL Trophy game. When I saw that Vieira and Nelson were in it, I thought, great, why not? You know, Vieira's suspended now for three games after that stupid challenge against Burnley. Reese Nelson hasn't played as much football recently as he'd have liked and has probably gone off the boil a little bit as a result of that. And I thought, great idea. But then the more I thought about it, the more I wondered if this was some sort of punishment for Fabio Vieira. Because as we mentioned on the post-match Burnley podcast, Mikel Arteta was not at all happy with him when he was uh, given his marching orders. So much so that Mikel Arteta looked the other way and did not even get up off of his seat. So did he put Fabio Vieira in to kind of teach him a lesson? Has he told Fabio Vieira that I need you to stay sharp and fit? You know, you've put me in a difficult position with your absence, which was uh, as a result of a needless red card. And so now you have to go and do the hard yards and you have to stay fit and you have to stay sharp. I think there's probably an element of that to this um, particular scenario. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Is he going to play more games over the course of his suspension uh, with the under-21s? It's one to keep an eye on, I think. It really, really is. Uh, in other news, Arsenal uh, continue to be linked with Douglas Luiz, who uh, we believe has been a long-standing target for the Gunners. I don't think it's likely that Aston Villa, by the way, are willing to sell to us in January, given how well things are going for them and what a key part of the side he is. But according to reports, Arsenal are set to test their resolve again. Hmm. We'll have to wait and see. I, I do always take transfer stories with a pinch of salt during the international break because, you know, we need to fill up column inches, right? We need uh, conversations. We need stuff to talk about. So I'm a little bit wary of going too big on this, but that is one of the reports doing the rounds at the moment. And also it's being claimed uh, and reported by Alex Crook at TalkSport that Ruben Neves is somebody that Arsenal are looking at 
as a short-term solution um, to their midfield problems. Uh, because, of course, Thomas Partey remains unfit. Arsenal, as we've discussed before, are just one Declan Rice injury away from being in the same position they were last season. And we all know what happened during that period. So Ruben Neves, who's gone out to Saudi Arabia, um, could be someone that Arsenal look at. Um, I've always liked Ruben Neves. I thought he was someone that we should have gone for a long, long time ago. And he hasn't been in the Saudi Pro League long enough yet for his level to have dropped to the point where I'd now think that this isn't a worthwhile move. I still think that he's got a lot to offer and I'd actually quite like to see Ruben Neves uh, come in. Um, but again, it's the international break and you get this stuff, don't you, during the international break. So you've got to take it all with a pinch of salt. I'm going to take a really, really short pause and then I am going to uh, take a few questions from the live chat. So please start getting them in. Uh, remember, you can check out uh, my reaction to Nick Ramsdale's interview yesterday. That was yesterday's edition of the podcast. That is available on all major podcast stores and, of course, on this very YouTube channel if you are watching us. Uh, also recommend, I know it's a bit out of date now, but, you know, the, the PGMOL is, is the topic of discussion again. It's in the spotlight again. So why not go back and listen to last week's episode of The Debrief on which I spoke to the former head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett, about the reform that's needed and the wider problem of the implementation of VAR. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. And although we've had the audio now for after the Newcastle game, I still think there's a lot of relevant points there. So I highly recommend that you go back and check that one out. Give me some questions uh, and we'll do another five minutes before I sign off. Uh, short pause and then into those questions we go. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Um, let's take this one from Nav. It's, it's not football related, but I think given what's going on in the world right now, it's, it's probably worth um, sort of just touching on this. And, and you know, I, although I always say, right, that this is purely a football podcast and I don't really want to cross into other topics and other subjects, I, I kind of feel good about the fact that you guys feel like you can ask these questions on this show. Um, and the question is from Nav, I know this is irrelevant, but what are your views on the Islamophobia going on in the fan base at the moment? As a Muslim myself, it's gotten me a little bit down and disheartened lately. He also goes on to say, I understand if you don't want to answer it. I am going to answer it. Um, whether it's Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, um, people being homophobic, um, people being anti anything because of what someone is, I don't agree with it. Okay. I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. And I don't think it has any place in the world, let alone within a football fan base. I, I got really annoyed the other day um, when I woke up to videos of Arsenal fans or supposed Arsenal fans being racist. Um, you know, we all saw those videos going around and, and I got, Really frustrated by it because when I think about why I love Arsenal so much and when I think about why my dad loves Arsenal so much and why other people that came to this country from other countries and settled in London love Arsenal Football Club so much, I, I can't get my head around the fact that we have these types of people associated with us. Now, every club has good and bad supporters. Every club has good and bad people associated to it. I, I firmly believe that. Some clubs, you would argue, have more underlying issues with regards to some of this stuff than others. But I always think that Arsenal is a club of the people. 
I always think that from stories I've heard from family members that came over to England quite a long time ago now, but, you know, came in as foreigners, if you like, that the one reason and the one thing that attracted them to Arsenal in the first place, having gone once and, and wanting to return, was the diversity and the fact that this was a football club where you could go at that time as a foreigner and feel completely comfortable. So when I hear things like that, that, you know, somebody feels uncomfortable supporting our football club at the moment or, or being around other supporters of our football club at the moment because of who they are, that hurts me because that is not what Arsenal Football Club represents. It's not, not for a second. So first of all, I'd say, please don't let a few idiots impact on your Arsenal experience, on your connection with the club, because the majority of us, in fact, the vast majority of us, in fact, 99.9% .9 of us are not like that and don't look at things through that lens. Uh, you know, I've got friends from all sorts of places. You know, I, I, I've got friends that, you know, are from immigrant families like myself who you know, at times say things and I just sit there and I think, what, what has happened to you? Like, what, what, how has that got in your head? Like your parents are immigrants, yet you want to pick on someone because they came to this country from another country, or you want to pick on someone because of their religion. It's all a nonsense. I, there's no place for it in the sport, generally speaking, but there's certainly no place for it at Arsenal Football Club, where we pride ourselves on being the opposite of that. So, yeah, that's that's my kind of thoughts on that, mate. And I'm sorry that you felt that way. I don't think um, I don't think anybody should be made uh, to feel like that. I really, really don't. Uh, what else have we got um, in the chat box? A big hello to Derek, who joins us from Australia. Says, hi, brother. Graham Suness has even come out in favor of Arteta and the woefully disaster decision making of VAR during the Newcastle game. I saw that. I, I, I saw that. And um and I had a little chuckle to myself um, because everything you said was spot on. But you just know that because Graham Souness isn't flavour of the month with a lot of people, he's going to get stick for that. Um, Damilare says, Harry, what do you think of Ramsdale being on the bench so often? And how might that affect his confidence when we eventually need him? It's not ideal, Damilare, but only one goalkeeper can play. And if Mikel Arteta thinks that David Raya is the better goalkeeper and is better suited to the game that he wants to play, then I'm kind of over this whole discussion and we need to just get on with it. I said my piece on um, on yesterday's pod, which you can check out. I don't think that Nick Ramsdale's comments have done his son any favours. And I understand that it's difficult for a player to be sidelined, having been a key part of the side not that long ago. In fact, at the start of this season. But you know, we always talk about what a great professional Aaron Ramsdale is. Well, then he's just got to get his head down and do what he can. When those opportunities come along, albeit few and far between, he has to take them. Um, and uh, he needs to, in my opinion, and people might not like this, in my opinion, he needs to have a word with his old man and just tell him to wind it in a little bit. Because, you know, yes, some of the stuff that Nick Ramsdale says is valid. Some of it is fair. Some of it is probably accurate. You know, he's in a better position to know that than we are. But I just don't think in the grand scheme of things, it helps. And it adds extra spotlight now on Ramsdale when he does come in. And he probably will come in against Brentford in a couple of weeks time because, of course, uh, David Ryer is ineligible to play in that game. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, 
what else have we got? Uh, uh, Afsar says, I've been going to Arsenal home games for many, many years and never had any racism issues. Love Arsenal. Me too. And let me be clear, right? This is not this is not anything to do with any one particular culture. My points are general. I don't think anybody should go to Arsenal and feel uncomfortable and feel like they can't be who they are because of fear of racism. There's plenty of clubs in England that you can find that at, but Arsenal is not one of them. Uh, Harry says 100% one club together. Come on, you gunners. Agree. Um, Gosnell Richard says, to be honest with you, it's really sad what's going on with Aaron at the moment. He brings us to where we are now, or he's brought us to where we are now, and he's been in this situation. Now it's really sad. Uh, Defence in trouble says, do you think Arteta will play Ramsdale against Brentford? I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls up with Carl Heiningo. Also, big up to you, Harry, and Mr. Tom Canton are the best. Thank you very much, mate. Um, I think the Brentford game is going to tell us a lot, isn't it, about A, where Arteta views Aaron Ramsdale. You know, is he really the number two at this moment in time? Or is what's been going on this week and, and sort of some of the comments that are coming out of Ramsdale's, shall we say, camp, are they going to have an impact? And if Ramsdale doesn't play against Brentford, it won't be because he's not good enough. It will be because something else has taken place. And that's why I just worry about the timing of Nick Ramsdale coming out and saying what he did. It just feels like the worst timing. Had Ramsdale not got a game against Brentford and he come out and said that, I think everybody would have sympathy for it. And everybody would then be demanding Mikel Arteta to provide some kind of explanation uh, for his decision. But at this stage, you know, I, I expect Ramsdale to play. Yes, if he doesn't, then that tells me that there has been a falling out. And as I said yesterday on the pod, the fact that Nick Ramsdale is coming out and saying this, if you want to read between the lines, might be telling us that actually he doesn't feel that his son has a future at Arsenal. Well, that's already been communicated or at least hinted um, to them by the club. Um, Lelieta says, uh, hey, Harry, any reliable news about Andre to Arsenal, in your opinion? The player looks like a great replacement for Partey or even as an eight. We heard a little while ago that Arsenal were among a number of clubs interesting, interested, but I also understand that United are and I understand that Liverpool are as well. And um, I think Liverpool are probably the most likely to get hold of him at this moment in time. Um, you know, I, I think that they they lead the race and I think that that's an appealing place to go. So, you know, I'd be a little bit worried and concerned about them. But the reason I'm not going overboard on this is because I don't know how deep Arsenal's interest is in this player. I don't know if Arsenal genuinely do hold a strong interest in him. And if they do hold an interest how much of an interest, therefore, how willing would they be to push and, and go beyond what Liverpool are able to offer, et cetera, et cetera. So interesting one. But the answer is, um, at this moment in time, I don't know that it's it's a thing. I don't know uh, that it's possible. Anyway, uh, that brings me to the end of the show. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. Like, subscribe, share, leave us a review if you're listening on the podcast stores as well. I'll catch you all tomorrow with another piece of content. Until then, enjoy this one. Check out yesterday's too while you're at it. Catch you all soon. Goodbye.